Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, April 3rd, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, let's uh, let's start off first with a little bit of Star Wars news or non-news or whatever. Uh, Solo is a movie that a lot of Star Wars fans love. There's a whole campaign going on in the Star Wars Twitter world. It's hashtag Make Solo Two Happen. A lot of fans want this, and you know now with Disney Plus, maybe there's a chance that we could see it on the small screen. Brad, tell us about it. Well, Jonathan Kasdan. Uh, one of the co-writers on Solo uh, recently responded to a fan's inquiry on Twitter about whether or not we might see a Solo sequel happen. Um, and his response was mostly disappointing, but left open a little bit of hope, I guess. Uh, Kazan said, don't think anyone's pursuing a Solo sequel at the moment. I think a feature at this point would be a tough sell. And the Disney Plus Star Wars slate is really pretty packed. All shows I'm looking forward to. Uh, so the door is open potentially for the story that started in Solo to continue at, uh, in a Disney Plus series, but it sounds like that there aren't any uh, active development plans to make that work because Disney already knows what other Star Wars shows they're going to make. Um, we already know uh, about the Cassian Andor series and the Obi-Wan series, and there's probably a lot more in the works as well. So uh, sorry, Solo fans, you're going to have to wait and see what happens with Darth Maul and the Crimson Dawn uh, a different time. Yeah, Don't give up hope. You know, this this whole saga is about hope. Uh, but the you know what? It, it's also interesting. Like earlier this week, there was uh, I think we posted on Slash Film. There was like an artist who did a trilogy of Lando uh, posters. Brad, were you the one that wrote that up? I did. Yeah. Uh, an artist named Peter Stoltz created like uh, a, a series of posters called the Calrissian Chronicles that was a trilogy of movies starring Billy Dee Williams as Lando Calrissian as if the movies were made in like the late 1970s uh early 1980s they had, had a lot of 
famous black exploitation stars in them, and uh, the, the credits had like just like little funny details. Like the third one introduced Jean Claude Van Damme as Darth Maul, which was kind of an amusing concept. No, it it is a really great piece of art. Uh, you know, after Solo, I was hoping that they were going to continue the story with a Lando movie and maybe con- continue to like the Crimson Dawn uh, story in, in that film. But we're not going to get that. Maybe we'll get in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series. Uh, what What is going on with this, Ben? Yeah, so earlier this year, um, Lucasfilm decided to essentially pull the plug on the show and start from scratch. They had, as far as I understand it, a bunch of scripts, maybe even a whole season's worth of scripts that were finished and ready to go. And they had hired some people and sets were built and uh, Ewan McGregor was back on board to star and then everything sort of came crashing down. They just, I, I guess, t- you know, got a little trigger, sh- trigger, what, what was that phrase, uh, gun shy or whatever. And they decided, all right, let's take another pass of this instead. So they fired the writer. Or I guess maybe he left whatever terms you want to use there. And they've been on a search to find somebody to rewrite um, this Obi-Wan show from the ground up, it sounds like. And now they have found somebody. And that person is named Joby Harold. And... Who is that? He is kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, an unexpected choice for this job because I would say he's arguably better known as a producer than a writer at this point. He is either produced or executive produced movies like Edge of Tomorrow, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, uh, the Robin Hood movie with Taron Edgerton. He has worked in TV a little bit. He produced the WGN America series Underground. Um, As far as being a writer, though, I think he only has four produced credits, one of which is... Uh, his directorial debut, which is a movie called Awake from back in 2007. I don't know if you guys remember this movie. I think it was Hayden Christensen and like Jessica Alba or something. And like a person had to go uh, be put under anesthesia for surgery or something. And then something went wrong and they were awake the whole time. And it was like this crazy thriller kind of thing. Uh, He also wrote King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword, which was supposed to start a six movie franchise, but obviously did not perform well enough at the box office to get even one sequel going, let alone five more. Uh, He's also written Army of the Dead, which is Zack Snyder's upcoming zombie movie for Netflix. Uh, And then I think he's also going to be working on a, a Transformers project, one of a billion that are probably in development right now for Paramount. So, um, yeah, he does not exactly have like uh, a great track record in terms of writing stuff. So it's, it's interesting because I think there were earlier reports that uh, Lucasfilm was maybe looking internally at people like Dave Filoni or Christopher Yost, who, had, who have both worked on The Mandalorian, as potential options to be, you know, the, the new writer of this Obi-Wan series. But now it looks like they've gone outside of the, the Lucasfilm family a little bit and found Joby Harold. So I guess we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't know, based on uh, – go ahead. How, how did we go from, like, the guy that wrote, like, Drive – to right. to the guy that wrote King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Yeah, I would think that those roles would be flipped and uh and one person's yeah, if if you told me like one of these people had their entire scripts thrown out, I would not guess that it was the person who wrote Drive, but that's the world we're living in, Peter. It's a weird time. Do you think it's like hard for them to get like I would think everybody in Hollywood would want to be involved in a Star Wars project like big names or maybe like they're maybe they're afraid because they've seen, you know, what can come from Star Wars fans who are not happy. I I think it's maybe a little of that and I also maybe a little bit of like uh, they've seen what's happened on the feature side of things where 
you know, Kathleen Kennedy and, and different producers and stuff like that have, have brought in people who have very, very strong, like authorial uh, voices. And that has not always gone very well for Lucasfilm because they eventually end up butting heads. And a lot of these people have been fired or let go or walked away or whatever. So maybe they're trying to find somebody that they can control a little bit easier. That's just speculation on my part. The, the strange thing is the Mandalorian, from all accounts, like it feels like, uh, at least from what I've heard, it's been kind of like developed in a silo. Like it, it didn't have as many like cooks in the kitchen, and that turned out. Uh, I mean, it, it is the most popular thing on Disney Plus, and people seem to love it and love Baby Yoda and stuff. So I don't know. I, I just why can't they replicate that with other Star Wars series? <laughs> That's, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Uh, I should mention that uh, Deborah Chow, who was on board to, I think, direct all of the episodes, uh, is still on board as far as we know. And and Ewan McGregor, obviously, is still on board, too. So it doesn't seem like it, it changed anything up too dramatically except for just the, the writing of the scripts. Yeah, I'm really curious what's going to happen with this. I know there were some rumors that uh, part of the rewrite was that the original Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, episodes, like were too similar to the Mandalorian in that it was him kind of looking over young Luke Skywalker from afar. So, I mean, it's kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub again. But, I don't know, it just amazes me that if that's true, how can both of those projects be developed at the same time within the same company without them realizing that until they're building sets? Right. I don't know, it's crazy. Okay, anyways, let's move on from Star Wars. Let's talk about Edgar Wright and what he might be directing next. Tell us about it, Chris. Yeah, so, well, Edgar Wright has a new movie coming out this year, maybe, who knows, it's called uh, Last Night in Soho, but after that, he's moving on to a film called Set My Heart to Five, which is based on uh, a novel of the same name, and uh, this is the uh, abridged version of of the synopsis. The story is said to take place in an all-too-human 2054 and introduces Jared, an android who undergoes an emotional awakening and embarks on a quest to convince humans that he and his kind should be permitted to feel. It's a quest sparked in part by Jared's introduction to 80s and 90s movies that leads to an unforgettable adventure across the West Coast of America after he determines to write a film script that will change the world. Uh, so, yeah, it's literally about a robot who wants to write a screenplay. That's that's the new Edgar Wright movie. And I, honestly, that sounds kind of like perfect material for him, especially the, you know, the 80s and 90s thing, which I'm guessing is going to make this a very pop culture filled film. And Edgar Wright seems to uh, excel at stuff like that. So, yeah, this sounds like uh, the perfect project for him. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for this. What, when Do you know when this novel is going to come out? Uh, no, I do not. It doesn't have, I don't think actually it has a date yet. It's just a thing where they, they picked it up, uh, from the galleys. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited for this because this sounds like the perfect, uh, pairing for Edgar Wright. And it sounds like it would probably have a kick-ass soundtrack as well. Uh, yeah. judging by his previous films. <laughs> Let's now move on to the doom and gloom part of this podcast where we talk about how the coronavirus is influencing the future of Hollywood. Uh, let's start off first with how, like, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be lots of projects, film projects, TV projects that are going to be influenced by this time in our lives and what happened to us. It seems like the first of which we are learning is a new comedy series. Brad, tell us about it. Uh, yes, yeah, so... A lot of people online, at least on film Twitter, have been joking about how we're going to see tons of indie movies at like Sundance next year and whatnot about all these 
uh, couples who are either, you know, finding love or breaking up while they're under self-quarantine um, during, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but the office executive producers, Paul Lieberstein and Ben Silverman, uh, are taking a little bit of a different approach by uh, being inspired by the new normal of uh, workplace, which is people using video conferencing software like Zoom and Skype and Google Hangouts to engage with their coworkers and basically do whatever they need to do to get their job done. Um, so these uh, these two guys are uh, working on a new workplace comedy that is uh, described as following a wonderkind boss who decides to have all of his staff uh, connected online through this virtual interface and be face-to-face -face all day, every day, in order to keep track of productivity and make sure everybody is on task. Um, th there's no title for it yet, and honestly, even though it's you know being inspired by our current situation, there's no indication that, that like that coronavirus or like any kind of pandemic will actually be the impetus for this workplace comedy. It could just be you know the the, the format or the the concept of it. And really, what it sounds like is we'll probably get a series that is something akin to like searching or unfriended, but in a comedic setting instead where the show unfolds on everybody's computer screens. Um, Modern Family actually did something like that where they had an entire episode play out across phones and iPads and computers. Uh, and, and so that, it was actually worked pretty well. It was, it was funny and it was, uh, you know, an, an innovative kind of episode, but I just don't know if it's something, if that's what they're going for that can sustain itself for an entire series. <laughs> but, you know, uh, these are two guys, you know, who are experts on the workplace comedy. Uh, they, they worked on The Office. For those of you that don't know, uh, Paul Lieberstein played Toby Flenderson on The Office. And Ben Silverman had a small role in the series. He was one of uh, Jim Halpert's business partners at the sports um, publicity management company that they started towards the end of the series. Uh, and he was also uh, an NBC executive for some time. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it's better than having something that is you know, just about like the pandemic and, you know, the most obvious things and might have a unique approach to the workplace comedy. Yeah, no, I'm glad that it's not directly about the coronavirus. Uh, what's the chances that this is going to be titled WFH? I feel like uh, that's the that's the new thing that everybody, WFH, work from home. It might be. It could just be called work from home, too. It could be, too. Um <laughs> I'm also letter like I'm guessing the timeline is too short to do this, but it would be fun if someone during this time because we don't know how long this is going to go, right? Some people are saying it could last all summer. Some people say it could last until the end of the year. I hope not, but uh, if it is, maybe a show like this could cast uh, completely remotely, virtually, and then film it remotely over like teleconferencing, like software. It would be interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how difficult that is or, or yeah. anything like that, but yeah. Yeah, no, that, that would be in, in, in the first uh, social, socially distant filmed uh, show. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I pitched it right here. Okay, uh, let, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Steven Spielberg has teamed with AFI, the American Film Institute, to launch this new movie club. Ben, tell us about that. Yeah, so AFI, the American Film Institute, is like one of the, you know, uh, premier institutions of film. They're like the uh, gatekeepers sounds bad, but they they release a, a list every 
few years of like the top 100 movies of all time. And uh, they have a, a prestigious film school that a ton of famous filmmakers have come out of. So they have decided that uh, they wanted to release or, or kick off this new uh, movie club, which is called AFI Movie Club. And it is a daily virtual gathering to leverage our collective love of film on behalf of optimism in this time of global uncertainty. So Steven Spielberg, they wrangled him to uh, introduce the first movie, which was The Wizard of Oz earlier this week. Um, there have been a few other movies since then, uh, Moulin Rouge and uh, Some Like It Hot, and today's uh, is Dr. Strangelove. And basically, it's just every day AFI chooses an iconic movie for the world to watch together at home. Um, some of them have video introductions from special guests, celebrities, and movie stars and whatever. Uh, and basically... It's it's just, you know, they're going to have like some fun facts up there on their website and stuff about the different movies. It's just like a, a way for people to um, watch the same thing at the same time. Uh, the unfortunate news is that on their website, it, it they announce what movie it is and whatever, but they just sort of send you to links of how to find these movies instead of actually hosting the movies themselves on their website, which... The AFI is a nonprofit organization, so they probably don't have the kind of cash necessary to be able to pay the licensing fees to be able to host all of these, you know, super famous movies that are owned by studios and stuff like yeah. that. But I just I thought it would be a much cooler thing if you could just literally go to AFI.com and watch actually watch the movie there without having to have a pre-established, you know, subscription to any streaming service or whatever. But the way they have it set up right now is like they announce the movie. You can go to the website, read some facts about it, watch some videos on their social channels or whatever. And then just like it directs you to where the film is available to stream elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for more things to watch and, and want to watch some classic films, um, this seems like a good way to do it. Yeah, the thing that's disappointing to me here is that it's really just an introduction from a famous director or star, right? Like, so it's. I would much prefer I'd love like if there was a way for them to get Steven Spielberg to actually like do a live watch of of you know the Wizard of Oz where he provides yeah, like a, a commentary full commentary or something yeah that would be awesome but yeah these videos introductions are like 60 seconds long and it's it seems like pretty haphazardly thrown together together um these guys are clearly like reading off of cue cards and stuff like that so uh it's it's not like the greatest you know the fact that oh uh, you know Robert De Niro is introducing Dr. Strangelove. Like when you watch the video, it's a little underwhelming. So um, I think I agree with you, Peter. That would be really cool if they could get people to actually commit some some real time and energy into, you know, uh, building this thing up and, and making it like a more of a, uh, a must watch, a must participate type of event by providing something that we haven't seen before, which would be, you know, those people or, or maybe other experts and stuff doing like a full fledged commentary track. That would be really cool. Yeah. We're doing a similar thing on slash We're doing a thing every day called quarantine stream where we're recommending a show movie or thing that you can watch that you might not know about. So we're, we're not going what, with what AFI is doing and kind of going for the cream of the crop. We're going for things that you probably haven't heard of or seen that we we recommend you watch during uh this time of self-isolation and quarantine so uh check that out i'll put a link to that in the show notes uh let's talk about south by southwest because you know th this whole this whole virus is destroying 
any semblance of any of the film festivals. This is usually where small films go to get exposure and get pick up and and find a home and and find a place to you know gain an audience. But now that they're not happening, like South by Southwest didn't happen this March, and we're coming up on what a can is, is probably not happening. The uh, end of the year. Do, do we know if TIFF? Has Tiff said anything yet, Chris? They're still acting like it's going to happen, but we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, we'll have to see. So uh, now the South by isn't happening. What are they doing about it? Right. So this is all still very up in the air, and there are no actual films lined up yet. But uh, South by Southwest has teamed up with Amazon uh, to do a, a one-time virtual festival. Um, they put the offer out to filmmakers um, saying, you know, we're going to we're trying to do this that the filmmakers will get you know paid for allowing their films to screen and interesting enough it's it's going to be completely free like you don't need an amazon prime membership you just need an amazon membership to view these films um there's some uh, hubbub about this um you know some people may think oh this is a great idea but others aren't sold on it because you know i'm seeing some rumblings online basically it boils down to uh, this could hurt uh, eventual distribution because, you know, if this is going to be uploaded free online, it's inevitable that these things are going to be pirated. And if they're, you know, if films that don't have distribution yet are immediately pirated, there's going to be no incentive for studios to pick these movies up if they're out there. So it's kind of uh, an iffy situation. Um, You know, no one's being forced to do it. Obviously it's entirely, up to the filmmakers if they want their films to screen or not. But I really don't know how many filmmakers are, are going to go for this idea. Maybe films that already have distributors will go for it. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I really don't know. There's no date yet. Uh, they're hoping to have it happen this month. But, uh, sure. you know, we'll see. So, so are they basically announcing this before they've signed any deals with any films? Honestly, that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like they're putting the idea out there and hoping – filmmakers will latch onto it but uh at the moment we don't have any other details i feel like the only films that are gonna take on this deal are films that didn't think that they were going to get distribution in the first place and are trying to you know take advantage of a situation where so you know it'll get a bunch of eyes on this like south by southwest online film festival uh website or section of amazon or whatever you want to call it like i'm assuming like maybe some like little known documentaries and stuff but I'm, I'm guessing it's the the films that people most people go to south by southwest to see will not be available on there yeah i mean again we i honestly don't know what's going to be on like i really doubt like big stuff is like antlers was supposed to play and i, I have a really hard time believing that's going to be added and you know but then again that already has a distributor so maybe i i really don't you know look Everyone knows my stance. I I will gladly watch everything from my house and never leave again. But I know that's not ideal for filmmakers who, you know, love the idea of debuting their film at a festival with a huge audience and riding that buzz. And, you know, you're not going to get that for just putting it online. And this will just be kind of like a a more buzzed about advertised VOD. It's not like we're all going to be watching the movie at the same scheduled time, right? Right. And honestly, this this is a great deal for Amazon. It's not such a great deal for the filmmakers. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's it's really up in the air. I'm, hopefully we'll know more in the upcoming weeks. 
Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. I I don't know. Online film festivals could be interesting. Like, if, if there was the idea of actually like us all watching virtually at the same time different films like that you couldn't just choose like you had to actually show up at a certain time uh right that could be interesting and it would also peter i have to interrupt you here for a second because there's some breaking news um disney has pulled artemis fowl from theatrical release and is going to be debuting it on disney plus now which is sort of surprising because it looks like they spent a lot of money on that movie uh and actually there are a ton of new disney release wait a second so first of all Artemis Fall that was supposed to come out at the very end of May theatrically. Yes. Uh, in is it now hitting Disney Plus on that date? Uh, May. We actually don't know. They haven't put a, a release date out for Disney Plus yet. It's just just we know it's going to be debuting there, and they're scrapping its theatrical release entirely. Um, but there's also a ton of other release date stuff from Disney, including a bunch of Marvel release dates. So uh, I guess the most important one would be that Black Widow, which is supposed to be coming out pretty soon, uh, is sliding into the Eternals release slot, which is in November of this year. So that seems to make some sense. And it, man, there are so many of these, Peter. I'll just So wait, what, what happens to the Eternals then? Yeah, so it, it's starting a cascade domino effect of uh, delays here so the eternals is now going to arrive in february of next year doctor strange 2 is going to be arriving in uh, november of next year thor love and thunder it looks like it's going to be february of 2022 um wes anderson's movie the french dispatch is going to be coming out in now july of this year uh indiana jones <laughs> 5 which i think originally they were looking at a 2019 release date for that it's been pushed several times but it's been pushed again to now summer uh, let's see july 29th 2022 um captain marvel 2 is moving also to july of 2022 let's see uh mulan which was originally supposed to come out in march now has a july 24th 2020 release date so that'll be coming out Wait, wait a second, July. That's that seems like the yeah that... earliest one of this whole thing. I, it seems a little optimistic that theaters will be open in July, open and like ready for big blockbusters in July of this year. That's only well, I think they, a few they, months from now. They didn't move Pixar Soul, and that's like has a June release date. Oh well, that seems. Uh, <laughs> Like it's not going to be a situation yeah. that remains the way it is for a long time. Don't know. I guess guys, Disney... relax. Jared Kushner is on top of this. We'll be fine. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, and then the the Ryan Reynolds movie Free Guy has been moved to December of this year. So that was another one that's supposed to be opening, I think, this summer, and has now been pushed back to December. Which December seems a little bit more reasonable to me than this July for some of these things, but. Uh, Man, there's a lot to go through here. Yeah, let, let's. Um, usually we have some time to write this up and then parse through the information before we get on and comment on it. But I think there's a couple things that I think we should dissect here. Number one, uh, that it, it that they've only decided out of all their entire lineup to put Artemis Fowl direct to Disney Plus. What do you, what do you make of that? Oof. Anybody, anybody want to take this one? I don't know. I, I well, it's probably because super... it looked awful. <laughs> they realized no one cares that much about it. But it seemed like some of these, maybe, like Black Widow, I guess they spent too much money on Black Widow to have her go direct to Disney+. Plus. I, I feel like there's more buzz about Black Widow. Like People will go see a Black Widow movie in theaters, whereas is anyone excited about Artemis Fowl? I mean, 
HT like read the books. She went to the set and even she thinks this does not look good. So I feel like no one is that interested in Artemis Fowl. And that's kind of why they're like, all right, we can push this one to Disney Plus. But they, you know, they want those box office bucks for Black Widow and stuff like that. What what about Free Guy? That's now coming out in December. That that seems like it would have been a perfect like loss leader. Like get people to subscribe to Disney Plus while they're in this quarantine, like and give them some new content. Like that doesn't. It, Brad, I know you're a big comedy guy. Uh, do do you think Free Free Guy is going to make that much m- money theatrically? Uh, I mean, it's a pretty big budget movie. That it's very high concept. Since yeah. the whole thing is that it's you know Ryan Reynolds playing a. A video game character who you know decides to step up and be more than just a, like a non-playable computer character, um, and so since it's Ryan Reynolds, I'm sure that they're anticipating it'll be a big hit internationally as well. So I I just imagine they probably don't want to take too big of a hit on that movie. Yeah. the The other shocking thing I think we've kind of briefly touched on is some of these release dates are in mid to late uh, July. Does Disney actually believe that we're going to be back? In, you know, (laughs) I don't want to say back to normal, but like in a normal enough routine that we're going to be going to movie theaters in July. I wonder if it's just like a strategic move. They're just like they know that it's not real, but they're just doing it just in case or something like they they want to like plant the flag in case other studios start to get ideas about it. I don't know. I'm fully expecting those to move. The other day, Paramount moved. The, the SpongeBob movie to July and they're there. Uh, it's obviously them thinking July might happen too. But yeah, I have, I feel like things aren't going to be back to quote unquote normal until like September. And that honestly feels optimistic. Am I right in saying Pixar soul? The, the release date was uh, this June, I believe June 19th. So that has not moved. Why have they not moved that? If they're moving everything else, why didn't they move the, the next big Pixar movie? Well, I mean, my spy is still slated for April seventeenth. No one's moved that yet, so let's <laughs> all. I think they just forgot about it. I love the idea of of everyone involved with that movie completely forgetting that it exists and it being like mailed out. Like somebody is like forced to like take prints of the thing to theaters around the country and just like drop them off on the front porch because all the theaters are closed. But <laughs> everybody just forgot about my spy, and they're like, "Well, I guess I better do uh, deliver this." Oh, this is so strange. Uh, you know, we did, we had one one last story on the dock that you know th- this kind of translates well because the story is about moviegoers and their eagerness to return to movie theaters. I know I am so you know I'm, I'm feeling so cooped up. I'm missing the movie theater and seeing movies in a big screen with other people so much. I know Chris, you're probably enjoying staying at home and watching so much on TV. But uh, Brad. Uh, tell us, like, you know, are people excited to get back in theaters after this whole thing calms down or like will people be hesitant to go back to theaters? Yeah, a new poll conducted by the analytics company EDO asked 6,800 participants about their willingness to go back to theaters after all this nonsense is done and theaters are back open for business. Uh, and 70 percent of them said that they were at the very least likely in general to head back to movie theaters. And 45% of those were highly likely to get back in front of them. Um, of those 45% who were you know, eager to get back, 20% said that they would hit up movie theaters as soon as they were open. But the other 25% said that they would probably wait a few days. Uh, meanwhile, there's um, some people who are a little bit more hesitant. Uh, 
the other 45% of the group said they would wait a few weeks before getting a ticket to a theater. And then 11% said that they would wait several months. So they're being a little bit more cautious. <sighs> like, what do you, what are you going to do, Brad? Like, are you like when when this thing dies down to the point that they reopen movie theaters? Like, how long are you going to wait until you go to your multiplex? Well, here's the thing. Like, even if they were to open theaters in, let's say, you know, July, you know, when Mulan is back, like, how much is there going to be to see in theaters besides Mulan? You know, a lot of the big movies that were supposed to come out in. Uh, May, June, and July have been pushed back. You know, Wonder Woman 1984 got to push back. Ghostbusters Afterlife isn't coming out until uh, next year. Uh, you know, the the Minions prequel isn't coming out until next year now. Uh, and, you know, like we just talked about, Marvel shifting all their stuff and everything. So, like, is there really going to be anything good to see when New, new Wes reopened? Anderson. And, uh, wait, wait, did they push back um, the no, uh, Chris Nolan? Well, they just pushed back French Dispatch to October. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what we. That's that was part of the the shift in the the schedule because it was supposed to come out in July. No, I think July is where it's supposed to come out now, right? I don't think so. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> maybe I misspoke about that earlier. Great. Didn't didn't, didn't it say French <laughs> Dispatch for October? Oh, yeah, that's my fault. I'm sorry. Yeah. I put the because it said moves from. I thought it said. That's the only one. Yeah. I okay, up. so we misspoke earlier, and French, French Dispatch is not in July; it's in October. October sixteenth is yeah. the French Dispatch. That so makes yeah, sense. There's, there's not going to be, you know, anything really that I want to go out of my way to see. So unless they do the same thing that they were talking about doing in China, where they have like repertory screenings of you know big movies to try and reinvigorate people, get them to go, maybe with some like lower ticket prices, but movies that people want to see on the big screen again, but yeah, I mean, so it really just depends on uh, the state of things and also what movies are playing. Has uh, the Chris Nolan film been pushed back at this point? Not yet. No. That has mid-July release date. I mean, I feel like I would have to go to the theater to see that. I would mean, risk everything. Open, you're just going to show up? Well, no, I mean, if it's open. If it's uh, open, I would have to put a hazmat suit on and go to my local theater. No. I mean, that's how Christopher Nolan would want it. Yes, he would want you to die seeing it in a theater. That's, he would that's want you to watch it through a, a, a piece of plastic directly in front of your face <laughs> and then witness the IMAX in all of its glory. Uh, yeah, and be laughing and enjoying the movie underneath a mask. Yes, the way, the way we need to see movies. Okay, It'll be like the end of In the Mouth of Madness. You'll be alone in a theater cackling as... Tenant runs. <laughs> okay, I, I apologize earlier of uh, like the news just broke while we were recording this podcast, so some of that information was a little bit uh, not co- correctly relayed. But you can go. We'll put a link to the article on slashfilm.com that will be up by the time you hear this to see all the release dates and find out where the movies lie for now. I'm guessing that this isn't going to be the permanent place for some of these movies, but. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, this is a little scary because it, it, it seems like the summer has been canceled entirely. That that is so sad. I was I was hoping with all the social distancing that we were doing, that like we were putting all this effort in, and it, it, my hope was that we could save at least some of the summer. Peter, summer movie season kicks off April seventeenth with My Spy. <laughs> 
And Peter, there's always, remember, New Mutants doesn't have a release date yet, so they could really <laughs> drop that in at any point and yeah. really kickstart summer movie season right. Also, Peter, don't forget, no matter when these movies come out, everything <laughs> is still terrible. Yes. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Okay, guys. You can find more of all of our work at Slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast published on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Slashfilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we will see you on Monday.